Grass. Roots. Comedy. Grass. Talking about important stuff and hopefully making you laugh. And if you don't laugh, well, at least you learned about something important. If you don't care about that, well, that's on you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the GrassCast, the official podcast of Grassroots Comedy. Grassroots Comedy is a nonprofit located in the D.C. area, and we do many things at the intersection of education and civic engagement through comedy because we all need to laugh a little bit more. And I think we can all agree it's better to laugh than get chased in the street by somebody with a clipboard. Today's show, everybody, is going to be awesome. Today, we are gonna be talking about the Green New Deal for social housing. We'll be answering questions like, what is that? As well as many others. Join with me today, as always, are my trusty co-hosts, Scott Benjour and Laura Francisi. Would you like to say hello? Bonjour, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here again. Scott Benjour. He turned French. Hey, it's it's Laura. I'm excited to be here. Francisi is Italian for French. And uh... very nice. So I, with the Green New Deal for Social Housing, we are going to be interviewing Sunrise Movement DC as well. Uh, so we'll also be learning who they are. Uh, you guys, what do you think about this? What do you think about the Green New Deal for Social Housing? I don't know if you've done any research for this episode. Um, if you it's, have or if you haven't, what, what do you guys think? It's elucidating. I love it. I It's opened my mind to social living. Okay. It's actually a concept. They've given a name to something that I've been doing. I have benefited greatly as a human from my interactions with people doing long-term Airbnb stays with me and just running out room for 20 years, running out rooms in year for 20 years in San Francisco, meeting people that are intelligent from around the world coming there. And it has expanded my knowledge and, you know, worldliness. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a green new deal fangirl. Mm. Um, I love democratic socialism. I love, I love AOC. Do, do you have yeah. any proof of being a Demo- a uh, green new deal fangirl, Laura? I'm just I curious. Like, like, so- you- do you have anything like in your house that would really be compelling in for someone to believe that that is true? Yeah. So the Green New Deal AOC's office came up with um, travel posters for all of the Green New Deal initiatives and in all of the cities um, in the U.S. And we have a whole wall of Green New Deal art in my house. It's true, guys audience uh when she says whole wall it is literally an entire wall which just has very nice green new deal art on it so um so yeah i think you win as far as uh green new deal fans go but um yeah i'm i'm also excited about it i i'm gonna be honest i don't know as much as i should about the green new deal and i know very little about the green new deal for social housing uh my understanding is that it is a proposed policy uh, that will help with accessing housing uh, and uh, making it generally more um, more economically efficient, uh, more economically fair, and uh, will help the environment. But Awesome. I, I I do have a lot of questions though, and so I yeah I'm really looking forward to our interview today. Yeah, um, folks. So, um, do you guys have any any uh, anything else you want to say in preparation for this interview? Are we are you ready to make this funny? How are we going to make this yeah. funny? I have an idea. Um, we could play. Either now or or at the break, we could play deal or no deal for the Green New Deal. Oh my goodness. I love this. I think we should do that in the halfway huddle. What do you guys think? 
All right, something to look forward to. Okay, so until then, uh, we're gonna just get into this interview. Yeah, sound good? Yeah. We're ready to bring in, all right, we're gonna bring in Kevin from Sunrise Movement DC. So uh, buckle up everybody, we're gonna learn some stuff. Nice. All right, it is time for our interview with Kevin Wu from Sunrise DC. Thanks so much for being a part of the show today. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, it's so great to be here. Um, so excited for this opportunity, and thanks for giving me a platform to uh, yeah to talk about some of the stuff that we're doing. For sure, yeah, no doubt. So, first question: Who are you, and what do you do? Um, yeah, so I'm Kevin. Um, so I I work in the clean energy space. Uh, so a lot of what I do, at least my day job, is working with communities um, across the country, and that could be like local governments or, you know, CBOs or just different sort of stakeholder coalitions, but we kind of broadly just help them with clean energy transition work. Um, so I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm not a scientist. Um, like I say, I'm a BA, not a BS. Um, <laughs> nice. So I'm not actually the person that like does say like the analysis on how to put a solar panel like in XYZ school, um, but I find the people that do. So a lot of my work is, is mostly just talking to people and organizing people and then I guess helping them find the right scientists and engineers to help them. Um, so I guess it's the classic liberal arts degree, right? Um, but I think beyond that, um, so obviously I'm here because of my involvement with Sunrise DC and um, with them, uh, I do a lot of advocacy work and what we're doing a big part of what we're doing right now is uh, advocacy for a bill that's going through DC council called the, uh, Green New Deal for social housing. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of what I do is just reaching out to people and um, putting on events and, and raising awareness, so. Okay, awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, don't downplay the liaison role. I think there's there's a lot to be said for that as long as you pronounce it correctly. I'm like, <laughs> what I once did in a work meeting, uh, not liaison, uh, take note, everybody. So- You're a reader. Right. Anytime you mispronounce a word, it just means you're a reader. It's it's a good sign. Thank you, Laura. That's that is the spin I should have should have had. Uh, so before we go any further, Kevin, I'm I'm curious if you could just tell us a little bit about Sunrise Movement uh, and Sunrise DC. Like what what is the organization? What is the if there's like a distinguishing factor between DC and and the national? movement and maybe, yeah, just to give us some orientation on, on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, Sunrise National is, um, broadly speaking, it's a, you know, it's, it's a group, it's mostly young people who are sort of focused organizing around, you know, climate issues as a whole. Um, so a lot of that is, you know, you're thinking about like lobbying the federal government and, and I'm sure like people might have heard of Sunrise in the context of, you know, during the Trump years and just some of the protests and, and getting people involved with, with climate stuff. Um, I think Sunrise DC specifically. Um, so we obviously have a lot of the, I guess the same framings as the national work, but we're just more focused on DC and our mission goes beyond just sort of the climate stuff um, to more like the deeper social types of change that we're looking for, you know, so like it's more of an abolitionist movement. It's, you know, we're, we're addressing, you know, systems of violence that exist, in our, you know, in the city, in our, in our country today. Uh, and so it's sort of attacking, it's, it's obviously still the climate part, but we're sort of moving into, I guess, climate and energy justice, um, but really, you know, highlighting the, um, the social justice portion. That is something that is pretty important to the DC. Um, chapter. Nice. Climate justice, energy justice, social justice, all, all those, all the justices. That's great. Um, uh, yeah, Laura, go ahead. Can you give me an example of some of the systems of oppression that you're working to abolish? Is that like trying to untangle a ball of string that's been rolled up by a cat or is it something more complicated? Um, I mean, I would... <laughs> I wish it was just something that was, well, yeah, like it was just untangling a string that a, that a cat was messing with. Um, but yeah, I think a good example is, um, I guess, and I'm not as intimately involved with this side of the work, um, but just some of the like, mutual aid work that we're engaged in. Um, so for example, right, like 
there's rules that um, I think there are like rules that like prevent you from like sharing water in certain instances. Um, and I think that's an example of like, you know, like the work that we do in this, in this portion would be more focused on like the mutual aid, which is like, that's like, I don't think like an event would just be like, even something like we're handing out water on a really hot day. Right. Or like mm -hmm. we're finding ways to sort of buck the traditional narrative of, you know, like government services kind of being responsible for everything because a lot of times they fail and there's a lot of communities that don't get the help that they need. And so part of that, I guess the abolition here is right. Like even some, even a system like having to pay for water, right. And people that can't afford to do that, like that is a huge problem um, in this city. It's, you know, around the country. And, and I guess that's an example. Yeah. I think another example is some of the, the prison abolition stuff. Um, so just thinking of justice as, as more restorative, right? And and this is like, yeah, we've had events where we're, you know, we might be protesting about, um, you know, certain laws that are passed or, um, you know, certain examples of, um, I'm trying to think of. So I just, I don't have one off the top of my head um, because I'm, I'm just, I'm not as involved with this side of the work. Um, but these, these principles are very much underpinning what we're thinking, um, if that makes sense. It does Absolutely. make sense. Yeah. Scott, do you have any questions? Yeah. Um, what's the most interesting thing that's happened in the last week uh, with climate change? Oh, man, the last week. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know if you guys are following what's been happening on the Hill. Uh, I guess this is, this is maybe in the last like two-ish weeks, yeah. uh, but I'm sure you guys have heard about the, the debt ceiling package yeah. that passed the House. Mm -hmm. um, so one thing that's, so actually what's in that bill is the entirety of, uh, I guess, House Republicans' energy bill, um, which is basically just handouts to big oil. Oh. Uh, and so like there's stuff in there that, yeah, like it, we're talking about like, you know, permitting reform that's really good for fossil fuel plants. Um, what we're talking about, like repeals of like certain tax credits that came from the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act last year. Mm. Um, and so that's, I would say like, I mean, I guess it's not huge in the sense that it hasn't like Biden is not, not going to sign that, which is great. Uh, he's not, is absolutely not going to sign this bill. Yeah. But it's something that I think people maybe don't think as much about because oh, I think what Republicans are trying to do is nestle it into a bill and then frame it as, you know, we're just cutting costs or something, you know, some, some BS like that. Um, so I would say it's big just because it, like the Inflation Reduction Act that was passed last year is a big deal for climate. Um, it is just, it is industrial policy for the first time that actually addresses green energy. So yeah, I don't know. It's not, it's concerning, um, but I think people should know that this is a thing and realize like this is a, it's a poison pill, like Bill. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. no question. Are you all doing anything to, to spread the word on that? Um, so the Sunrise DC is a little bit more involved with the local level. Um, mm -hmm. So I would say like that, that, that's a little bit of an interesting, like I, you know, like I very much follow Beltway politics stuff, but I guess my involvement with Sunrise is a little bit more at the local level. So, you know, we're, we're thinking more just like about specific local issues, like right, this Green New Deal for social housing um, or other things. So it's not as specific. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, that might be a good pivot point, though, to talk about the Green New Deal for social housing. So you, you mentioned it up top, but I am curious to learn more. So maybe you could just break it down for us at a, like a top level. What is the Green New Deal for social housing and what is the difference between that and the Green New Deal? Um, yeah, so. I think like oftentimes like the Green New Deal itself is just a sort of a tagline that's used like there's many different things that we've used the words Green New Deal for. Uh, I think that what's important about this bill is more the social housing component, um, which is a bit of a new approach for affordable housing, uh, at least in DC. It's been done in some other places, um, but it would be new to DC. And it's basically where you, you either build these new apartments or you convert existing ones um, and you have them become publicly owned. Um, and what's the important part of it is that not only are they affordable and green, um, but that they're tenant controlled. Um, and I think the reason this is important is just because, you know, like 
a like as the tenant because you live there you should have more control over the management of your own building right like i think that just makes sense like that is a big part of this but i think even beyond that a big part of this bill is fighting back against the existing housing system as it's done in dc right now which is often that you know the city will essentially give permission to developers right to build these large complexes and there's basically no rules on what they can charge for rent um and so like i'm sure like you guys have seen around dc like all these new and in my opinion pretty ugly buildings <laughs> all these apartment buildings just sprawl up out of nowhere, right? And then you're like, if I want to live there, it's like 2,500 a month for a one bedroom, right? Like some some stuff like that, it's ridiculous. I have seen that, uh, yes. That's yeah, why I in do a not big, live in DC. <laughs> yeah, and a big, big part of that is because of the way the housing system essentially is giving public resources, at, but then allowing these private developers to skim off the top and make those profits. Um, what this system does, the social housing system, is it essentially flips it on its head and it's saying, well, look, we're basically just not going to have a landlord. <laughs> it's tenant controlled. And that means that the surplus that's sort of generated from this bill or from this type of system just gets reinvested back into the building. And so it's just, it's actually just, it's much more efficient. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's being, so it's been done in Vienna. Um, so I guess Europe is obviously the context is a bit different, but there are, uh, I actually have the data for this. There are. It's kind of like, yeah, we did. It, up, it reminds me of like, you know, in San Francisco, there's the Whole Foods Co-op, which is a grocery store that's run by the employees. And it's a prime example of how a owner or I'm sorry, a worker owned um, place can be really awesome and environmentally sustainable. Um, and that, that kind of comes to mind when, when you were talking about that. Yeah, I think that's, that's a decent, that's a pretty decent parallel. Yeah. Because it's just, it, it basically empowers the people who actually see the operations. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I mm -hmm. think that that is something that is just, yeah, like it, it's efficient. It's, and nobody, like nobody has the profit motive, right. <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's a big, big part of it. That's a huge problem with housing in DC is that it's all organized around the profit motive. Through, through that. So uh, that seems to cover a big part of it. I, I'm curious about the, uh, the climate change piece, the environmental piece. Uh, so where does that come in with this deal? How does this deal uh, impact climate change? Um, yeah, so I guess the way that the bill is written, right, like all of this housing that's built um, is going to be net zero uh, in terms of emissions, um, right? So that's just you know, some of the building, like there are some standards around that side of things. Um, the buildings would have to use like renewable energy sources on site. Um, so we're talking about solar panels. Um, we're also talking about installing things like, you know, efficient low energy appliances, energy efficiency measures, um, which just from a climate perspective is the low hanging fruit. Um, like the best time of clean energy is not to use it to begin with. <laughs> um, so these things are going to be emphasized, right, within the context of this housing. Um, and I think something else that's you know, also underrated is the idea of insulation, like the what you can design housing in ways that stays cooler in the summer without having to just pump your AC, right? Like there's ways mm -hmm. to be smart about the infrastructure. That's something else that is a part of this bill. And then I think lastly, something that is probably underrated, uh, people don't think about it as much, is just the the way that, yeah, once again, like the housing would need to be convenient for people who are able to bike walk or use public transportation instead of driving. Um, the idea is for it to be near metro stations or bus stops, have bike storage on site. And I think that that, you know, because we're talking about transportation emissions, that's something that is just always a huge problem um, in terms of mm -hmm. getting things down to zero. Transport emissions are just, yeah, people don't think about that stuff as much. Um, and the housing is intended to address some of that as well. Gotcha. And it, there's one more piece to it. I mean, I'm sure there's probably a lot of pieces to it, but one more piece that stuck out to me from the few articles I've read um, regarding the current state of housing. I mean, DC housing is, social housing is like gross right now, right? There's like all kinds of mold issues. There's like rat infestations, roach infestations. Um, that's my understanding. And that's, that's my understanding of 
you know, part of why this was put forward too, just because it's gotten to the point where these places have kind of become unlivable. Could, could you speak to that a little bit? Um, yeah. So I think like that sort of speaks to like that is, I guess I don't know specifically about that case, but I'm guessing that's probably related to some of the issues with public housing, um, yeah, which yeah. is a little bit different from that's social yeah. housing. Usually social housing is you're thinking like it's applied to the whole building um, and it's intended to be permanently affordable. Um, and once again, because like public housing is usually managed by DC housing authority, whereas the social housing is actually managed by tenants. And, and I think, and I touched on this a little bit, but I think that combination of that tenant control, right, which gives you just more authority to, to make the changes you need, but also it's designed to be like actually economic. Um, and I think part of this is because of the way that the bill is describing like within a, a social housing building, right? Like you would want maybe 30% of the units to be affordable. Yeah. Um, that's like people who are making under 30K a year. But then you want another 30K, 30% of the units to be like people who are, you know, maybe in the next income bracket above. And then the remaining units at closer to a market rate. And so the idea is that there's that cross subsidization. Uh, and that's what sort of sort of creates the, I guess the, the profit in a sense, but that profit just gets reinvested into the building. And I think that's something that could definitely address a problem like this, um, just along with the ownership. Gotcha. Like a nonprofit. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's, that's very informative. Uh, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll pass the next question on to Scott or Laura. How do you feel about tiny houses? Are they a viable solution or are they just glorified sheds? Um, so are, are we just talking about like, like single unit, but like really small? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> Have you seen um, that show? Is it Tiny Homes? Yeah, or like Tiny House Nation. Do you know? Tiny House Nation, thank you. Tiny Homes, like people put them in backyards. They're like, they are garden sheds that people put. Mm -hmm. Uh, that people like your aunt could live in your backyard in a mm. in a garden shed with a twin mattress and a AC unit. Gotcha. <laughs> I I think that concept is, is hilarious. But I do so I, I guess I don't I don't know that much about like the specifics. If we're talking about emissions from buildings like small houses versus apartments and sort of what that breakdown looks like, I don't I don't know that specifically, but I do think that if we're talking about a holistic approach to housing, um I don't think small houses or tiny ho homes, it would be difficult to, in my opinion, at least to sort of justify them because it's still not dense, right? It's just, it's, you still, like, your yard is just as big, but the home is smaller. And I think like that still creates sort of the knockoff, the knock on impacts of, you know, like just not having, like not having enough housing period, right? Like using the space that we have. And then also like being able to build like, what we call like mixed use districts, right? So like areas that where people can live, but they can also readily access, ac yeah, access like services, you know, whether it's groceries or, you know, parks and things like that. And I think like, yeah, like ultimately I, I'm not, I don't think it's a question of how big the space is. It's, it's more like the density, which I think is important when we're talking about, I guess, sustainable mm -hmm. housing that kind of works within the climate framework, but also within, I guess, like a broader equity framework of, of making sure people kind of are getting where they need to go. Absolutely. Excellent. And that's wonderful work. Um, what kind of people get involved with Sunrise DC? Is it just young people or do you let old people join too? <laughs> so I, I will say like, I'm, I'm a little, I'm also like pretty new to organizing. Uh, so I moved to DC uh, last last spring and I, I didn't really really start getting involved with organizing until like late summer or fall last year um, so sunrise is like the first organization that i kind of jumped into um, and so sunrise itself dc yeah it's definitely mostly young people um, like i'm 25 um, i'm used to being like the youngest person in most places i go um, but with sunrise i'm pretty much one of the oldest um, so yeah. it's definitely people in the younger side. Well, we got some like high schoolers coming out um, and, and you look pretty involved. young you look like you're like in your 20s right yeah so <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so 25 um but that's that's yeah like sunrise itself is pretty young but i will say like 
when it comes to organizing, um, because so much of it is unpaid, right? Like nobody is doing this for money. None of this is almost nobody's day job. Yeah. I think that that sort of creates a lot of potential for intersectionality. Like Sunrise itself is mostly young people, people of color. Um, uh, but like there are like, I don't know if you guys have heard of the democratic DSA, democratic socialists of America, like they're pretty active in DC. Um, the people that I've met there have been a little bit older. So you kind of just meet in different circles and spaces, um, sort of different groups of people, uh, which I think is really cool. Um, but I also think like in terms of fleshing out like the activist space, the organizing space, I do think it is so like, I mainly work with Sunrise, but I think people are generally much more driven by sort of what they're specifically interested in organizing about, if that makes sense. So like, I don't actually know like most of the people in Sunrise DC and I don't work with most of them because I'm mostly focused on the political advocacy side, but like I said, like there's the mutual aid side, right? Like there's, there's so much other stuff that we're doing. And then that extends to like all the other organizations and everyone kind of plugs in in different spaces, depending on what they're interested in. And so it's a very, it's like very networked and not very, not very organized. <laughs> hmm. Sounds like most of the things I'm involved in in life. Um, <laughs> Story of a nonprofit. Exactly. Um, so, Kevin, how do you get people to care? There is so much happening right now, and uh, people don't love learning. I, at least people like the general swath of the population, I, I think. Um, not that I've read that anywhere. I, I don't, <laughs> don't want to learn it. But, um, uh, but yeah, you know, it, just, it seems like there's just a, a, so much information to pay attention to now. How do you explain the Green New Deal for social housing to somebody in, like, like high level selling points. Like if you're on a, a short elevator ride, what do you say? Um, well, to be honest, if I'm in DC, I'm, I'm usually tying it to like, how much do you pay for rent? Got it. Okay. How many That's do you have? Yeah, you know, yeah. Like how fun is it for you to get, I don't know if you live in out, you know, that sort of thing. Um, for this specific issue. Yeah. Like I would say that's how you try to tie it. Um, but I think more broadly, you know, if you talk about climate stuff, I don't know. That's a harder one. Um, because I kind of grapple with that myself. Um, you know, the question of like, am I going to have kids with the way the world is going? But I think like, mm -hmm. I don't know if I have a necessarily a pitch, but I think like at some point, you know, I'm hoping that just the way that climate change is happening, people just start to notice that it's in your everyday life. Like maybe in, in a couple of years, we might have a summer where I don't know, like you just can't go outside for a week or something right because mm -hmm. it's so hot and that's already happening in some places in the world by the way um so i i don't know like there's this weird like it's hard to get people to care about something so abstract um mm -hmm. but also like it is becoming just less abstract yeah by the uh, day and has there been any confusion for the green new deal for social housing to be uh, like just a group house of people who get high <laughs> no i mean i guess <laughs> I guess I, I, that's that's just got to be every every house in DC, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably. <laughs> also um, known as a house in DC. <laughs> got it. But no, I think social housing. The it, I, I actually think it has a lot of potential, just because of the, the way that it's modeled, and I think it's it's in a city, right? Like for example, like if you're not in one of the rent controlled units, I mentioned, like there's that cross subsidization, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's likely to be pretty high quality housing. Um, it's probably likely to still be lower than some of the really exorbitant prices you see out there. Yeah. Um, so I think there is a lot of opportunity for people. Yeah. Like it is just going to be people, um, you know, like, and it's going to be probably like people who just have the things they have to do, but now they just have a place to stay, especially if they're in the, the rent controlled areas. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, and I would actually argue that one interesting, cool thing about social housing is actually that because of that cross subsidization, you're, you're creating more organic like mixed income communities, mm -hmm. um, which I do think has, I mean, if you're able to do it at scale, right, has a real effect on, I think, social cohesion and honestly, the ability to get people to care, right? Because if you know your neighbors and you know what they struggle with and you're friends with them, you're going to think more about this stuff than if you're just living in your one bedroom somewhere, you know, not, not as much part of the community. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. All right, everybody. Well, you guys, we made it halfway through. This is the Halfway Huddle. 
this is the point in the show where we uh, take a pause and uh, reflect on how it's going and uh, discuss maybe how how we want it to continue to go uh, and just share our general thoughts. Uh, how do you guys think it's going so far? Best show ever. Best show yeah. ever. All I right. There's, there's some serious magic going on here and I've learned so much. It's just blowing my mind. It reminds me and I must say that I I think I misspoke when I said San Francisco had a Whole Foods cooperative. I meant to say Rainbow Grocery is mm. the name cooperative. In my hometown of Erie, Pennsylvania, there is a Whole Foods cooperative, which is very analogous to the Rainbow one, but I love it. And it's communal, you know, basically the workers own the means of production and it works in San Francisco, much like housing can. True, true, true about rainbow grocery is they have a whole dry goods section where um you can like and even wet goods so you can like fill up your shampoo bottle or you can um get granola or cereal without any plastic which i think is also uh really key for you know the whole green new deal thing that we've been talking about not just for social justice and housing but for uh climate justice and and things like that right on right on I would agree with that. So, you guys, I have to admit, it's been hard for me to carry on with this conversation. I've been able to, but I've been distracted by the amazing game show idea, Deal or New Deal, that Laura proposed at the beginning of this episode. Can we play it now? What do you guys think? Can we just do this? Let's do it. I would love to play. Okay. Deal or no deal, Green New Deal. I would also love to play that. So uh, we are going to uh, proceed. I'm going to be the uh, um, the announcer, and uh, I'll have some contestants. And Senator uh, Smith. Okay. Yeah, because right. we want to play. We want to play with Congress um, for the Green New Deal. That makes and sense. You'll be the the host. Yep. Um, and I'm going to be the case girls Sweet. Which for the, for the purpose of this podcast, you won't be able to actually see me in my beautiful mini dress and heels with the case and the lighting, but I will verbally say what is inside the case, um, with all the ooh and spectacles. This is exciting. Um, I'm going to be honest. I, I know you guys probably are thinking otherwise, but this is the first time we've ever done this. And uh, I don't even know how this is going to end. All I can see on the screen that I am reading is <laughs> just the top introduction. So I don't even know who's going to win what. And I am I am excited. So if this isn't enough to, to stay tuned, I don't know what would be. Um, <laughs> Scripted improv. All right. It's great. Are you guys ready? Welcome <laughs> to Deal or No Deal, Green New Deal Edition. Here's how it works. We have 26 cases filled with potential solutions that could help pass the Green New Deal. Each case has a different option, ranging from a carbon tax to renewable energy investments. All we need is for one of these solutions to be implemented, and we could save the planet. Our contestant today is Senator Smith who will be representing all of Congress, Senator Smith. Are you ready to play? I sure am. All right, then let's get started. Choose your first case. Hmm, let's go with lucky number 13. Great choice. Let's see what's inside. Oh, oh my gosh. It's a plan for a nationwide ban on single-use plastic. Oh, this is fantastic. We need to reduce our reliance on plastic. And this plan could really make a difference. Now, the big question is. That, deal that, deal. that, that was my, that was my. Line stepping. Now, the big question is deal or no deal? I'm feeling pretty confident. So I'm going to say no deal. All right, let's keep going. Choose your next case. I'm going to go with case number seven. That's lucky. 
The case opens to reveal a hundred meters of fruit by the foot. Hmm, this is a tough one. I think this is a European knockoff of fruit by the foot, but and I, I don't know how it will ultimately help the environment. After careful consideration, I'm going to have to say no deal. Okay, let's keep moving. Choose another case. Hmm. Wow, I'm feeling lucky. So let's go with number 21, Blackjack. The case opens to reveal a plan for massive investments in renewable energy. Yes, this is exactly what we need. We need to transition to renewable energy resources if we want to avoid the worst effects of climate change. I'm definitely going to say deal on this one. Congratulations, Senator Smith. You've just won the Green New Deal. All we need to do is implement the plan for massive investments in renewable energy and we'll be on our way to a cleaner, greener future. Thanks for playing Deal or No Deal, Green New Deal edition. Woohoo! I'm a winner. We all win. Winner, yeah. winner, chicken dinner. Everybody wins. We all win by not dying. <laughs> sooner. sooner. Yeah. Just a little sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great. Well, that was worth reading, I think. Um, thank you, Logan. We love you. Thanks, Logan. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We love Logan. All right. Um, anything else before we jump back in? I can't wait to see how many roommates Kevin has. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I get the feeling get the feeling it's more than one. Although he's he strikes me as a bit of an introvert. So I don't know how that would go. We'll see. Let's find out. Yeah. Let's make sure to ask him. Make sure to get that information out of him. Uh, we'll investigate. In a world where the Lorax has been silenced, for one night each year, the purge is on. No one can do anything to defend themselves because the trees have become bipedal and the wood in your home comes alive. No one who opposed the Green New Deal is safe. The Lorax is back with an army of trees and he's not here to play nice. He's here to get revenge. The Lorax, The Purge, coming soon to theaters near you. In a world getting warmer by the day, one man's about to turn the tables. John Rambo is back, safeguarding our home. The Earth, confronting the destroyers of our planet, sowing the seeds of survival. Sylvester Stallone brings a whole new meaning to action. Brace yourselves for Rambo, climate warrior. Remember folks, he didn't start the warring, but he's damn sure gonna end it. Earth needs a hero. Live for nothing. But die for something. Your goal. All right. Well, I think we're ready for our next segment. What do you guys think? Bring it on. Surprise, yeah. Kevin. That was a segment. I bet you didn't even know that. I bet you thought yeah. we were just asking you questions, having a regular conversation. <laughs> nope. That was our conversation portion of the podcast. Uh, so for this next segment, uh, we are going to be doing something that Laura will introduce because it was her idea. Kevin, this is going to be a brand new segment mm -hmm. called Housing Therapy. So in this segment, uh, I am going to be the therapist, mm. uh, Scott and... Chris are going to be roommates and they are going to be getting therapy for all the things that ail them. And they might be getting terrible advice or they might be getting wonderful sound advice that touches on the socioeconomic issues and hurdles that all come with uh, the housing crisis and housing justice and uh, things specifically happening in the U.S. in late stage capitalism. Wait, what's, Kev what's Kevin's role in this? Is Kevin going to weigh in on the therapy tips or is he going to? Kevin, you're going to be my co-therapist assistant. So you get to weigh in with wonderful sound advice to my not so great advice. <laughs> awesome. 
Um, by the way, I love the idea of housing therapy. I think that that could definitely sell in the future. I mean, everyone's got a roommate now, right? So <laughs> Yeah, it's true. <laughs> or a version of one. I can start and I'll, um, I'm happy to just make this real. Uh, I, yeah, my wife will listen to this and it is going to be about her, but it's nothing that she hasn't heard. Uh, so my wife is my roommate and uh, I hate it when she leaves stuff on the surfaces. She's got a, a it, she, she's clean in certain ways, cleaner than me in a lot of ways, much cleaner in the bathroom and in the kitchen. Jen, well, not, I, I do wash more dishes, but she leaves things out on the table, the dining room table, and it drives me crazy because I lose things all the time. And the bigger the piles are, the harder it is to find the things. And I tell her, hey, could we please work on clearing the tables off? And sometimes she'll leave for a while, uh, like go out of town, and I'll just try to set an example by clearing off all the surfaces. And then she comes back and she's like, hey, this is really nice and clean. And I say, yeah, it sure is. Maybe we can try to keep it that way. And then a day passes and then boom, all this stuff is piled up again. Um, what do I do, therapist? What do I do? All right. So I'm going to start with some wonderful advice. And then my assistant, who's still learning how to be a therapist, is going <laughs> to give his advice. So take his advice with a grain of salt, but follow mine to a T. Okay. The answer to your problem is consumerism. Mm. Okay, so it sounds like there's not enough stuff to be on surfaces in your house. So what I want you to do is I want you to use something like uh, Amazon Prime. I want you to maybe if you don't own one already, buy a truck. I want you to drive places and I want you to get as many things as you can so that you won't be able to clean. There won't be a clean surface in so, your house. So the problem is having an option yes. to clean. Okay. So the yeah. solution. Okay. So, so the just solution go is full hoarder. Don't. So I won't even have the option, and then there won't even be a decision to make. It'll be decided for me. There won't be a fight because there'll be nothing to fight about. Because one, you'll be happy because you bought all those things, and two, you'll be very happy because they're all over the place. Um, okay. Assistant, what would what advice would you give? Um. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would be curious, like why why are clean surfaces so important to you um you know <laughs> i mean if so, you know, anything what, oh good yeah <laughs> well i was just gonna say for uh, for me it's it's mainly because i i lose track of things and maybe that's on me that's my fault but um i misplace things all the time and it's just so hard to find something when it's under a pile uh so when surfaces are clean and everything is in the place that it belongs it's just easier to find stuff. I don't lose my keys as often, my wallet. You know, when I'm like trying to get out the door, I don't have to spend 20 minutes looking for my car key, you know, things like that. Uh, so, yeah, that's why it bugs the heck out of me. Is any, is I, that, I guess it, yeah, you know, it sounds, I don't know, like it, yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I just, I feel like, you know, part of it is maybe <laughs> the surfaces, I don't, like if it's the table, right? And like if you just know that you're leaving everything on the table, I guess it's it's hard for me to see how you would lose things. You know, it seems like it's almost like the uncertainty of whether you left something on the table. But maybe you guys just come to agreement that you know everything should just be on the table. Like maybe that's the spot. Like for example, right? Like in my room, like I have a chair, um, and that's where all my clothing goes that like I would wear and maybe like don't want to wash it just yet, and I know it's all going to be there. Mm -hmm. Well, no losing it. I think that's the problem. We just we have disagreements on the spot. For her, it's the spot for like everything, and for me, it's the spot for you know food when we have to when we sit down and eat. And uh, so, anyway, so I think the key, yeah, to a successful and happy marriage mm -hmm. is leaving everything on the table. Okay, literally so, and metaphorically. So you need to get a really sturdy table. Okay one of the things you can buy. Um, I feel like I just gave you some like very good advice. So I'm buy a bunch of stuff from Amazon, make one of those things a very sturdy table. I uh, don't give myself an option to be clean. Uh, and um, and just learn that the, the stuff on the table, it just belongs there. Um, thanks yeah. guys, thanks, very helpful. You try even a, even a ping pong table. They're huge, very sturdy. 
Pause's face. Okay. And you play ping pong. But not for ping pong, just for I, <laughs> my apprentice finally says something worthwhile. I, I appreciate it. Great. Um, Scott, welcome yeah. to welcome to housing therapy. How can me and my learned apprentice, who is phenomenal, uh yeah. help? What's what's going on? Well, well, you know, I need roommate therapy because I every day I suffer and battle against my IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. Mm -hmm. And even when I eat healthy food like broccoli, I get gassy. And so, you know, lots of flatulence, lots of mm -hmm. farting noises. Mm -hmm. Should I be ashamed of my expulsions? I mean, here's the thing. Because of your direct individual input to the climate crisis, yeah. You should feel you should a lot feel of gas. a lot of shame. Um I'm gonna defer to to my apprentice Kevin. What what do you think? Um, I mean I think wow, this is, <laughs> this is gonna be an interesting disclaimer to put out there. Um, it's a curveball, right? Maybe you maybe you should think about um like finding a way for him to not be able to smell it. You know, like oh, yeah. I, hear there's a I hear there's a virus going around these days and it can uh, prevent you from having a sense of smell. You know, you get it enough times, maybe you could just never smell again. Uh, I don't know how chill your roommate is about COVID, but um, I clearly America doesn't care at all. So I'm sure it's easy to, it's easy to bring it into the household, you know? <laughs> yeah. But if you can't smell it, then are you really farting? Again. <laughs> This is genius. Uh, what is it? Um, germ bringing germ, uh, bring germs into the home. Uh, is is mind boggling. I I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gone there, but I do love that. Have you um, have you thought about uh getting some patchouli oil? I feel like everybody loves patchouli oil and the way yeah. that. that's yeah, my wife is really into the essential oils and we use some misters and we, you know, mix our own at home with essential oils and it adds wonderful aromas to the, the house. And in our backyard, we've got a little, uh, you know, area where we grow catnip and sometimes I'll cut some mint and bring it in and that freshens up the house and brings in the alive smell of the outside, the outdoors, indoors. Yeah. Blaming it on the cats. Have you thought about blaming it on the cats? Yes. I do. I do that one. I use it too much time sometimes, though. All right. Um, I feel like we solved. Yeah. I feel like we solved your your problems. Um, yeah, you guys are good. Kevin, norm. This is very uncouth of me. I don't even think that's the right word because I couldn't <laughs> define it if you asked me to. But maybe I need to be more couth instead of uncouth, if we could open this up for you and you had some housing therapy, is there anything weighing on your mind? Um, so I should, actually, this is a this is a pretty funny question because I, I actually live with nine people. I have nine roommates. Wow. Um, yeah. No wonder you're pushing the, the Green New Deal for social housing. <laughs> <laughs> now it all makes sense. Jeez. Yeah. yeah, so I, I I live, I mean, I just live in a really nice location. I live by Malcolm X Park, um, and I'm, like, super, I don't know, like, it. it's super cheap. I just have to live with nine other people. Um, and it's pretty great. I mean, I guess, honestly, like, I, we, yeah, I share a bathroom with four other, three other people. I'm on the third floor. Um, I guess I'm just trying to think of... To be honest, we have like far fewer problems than anyone would expect. Um, we have like an entire system for like doing things and we have like house meetings and like we're generally pretty good about coming to a consensus about decisions. Um, I don't know, I guess it's, this isn't a problem that we've like had. I guess like one of the things that definitely could be an issue in the future is um, like we will go through stages where things are a little bit more messy. Uh, I think the problem with the 10 person house, that there's no way to assign responsibility. Yeah. 
like you can't like you can put something in the group chat and be like hey this needs to not happen again but maybe you need to elect a leader um scott i'm gonna i'm gonna let me therapist first oh. first um the group chat i feel i have fomo of a nine person group chat and i'm not even in it uh, my advice to you is simple and it's it's actually really great because the writers are on strike right now. What you need to do is you need to pitch the real. Mm, you're not housewives. You're the real <laughs> lobby, not lobbyists. The real house people who care about congressers of DC, <laughs> and you do a real world thing. So this helps you in three ways. One, you get publicity. Oh my gosh, you're welcome for free. Two, you'll get a camera crew. And when you get a camera crew, you're gonna get a cleaning crew as well. Okay, so they're going to be cleaning the house for you. And the third thing that's great about this is, um, I mean, you're gonna get some Instagram follows. You're going to get some Instagram follows and you could do some ads to increase consumerism, right? <laughs> this, this is why, this, this is why you do therapy. This is, this is why you're a fake therapist. Um, is, yeah. This is why I got that certificate off Photoshop. I went right. there for three years. Um, Congrats. Chris, do get, you have get, any Yeah. Advice? Yeah. I can, I can weigh in. I have a three-step plan for you, Kevin. Step mm -hmm. one Find a different apartment with fewer roommates. Uh, step two, go home and pack up all your belongings. Step three, leave um, and go to that other place. Yeah, is it, nine roommates is too much. What are you doing? That's too many. That's too many people to navigate. <laughs> I think you just just remove yourself. Make it easier. Make it lighter. What are you, the Brady Bunch? You're not even related. That's weird. Like, I, what? I don't even know these people from the internet. Do you have like a background? Are, we inquire together. What's the story? This is Craigslist. Dead. Yeah, dead. no, creepy. Yeah. So each one of them could potentially be a murderer, a child molester, maybe like all of the above. You don't know these people. Like, do you, do you, how long have you known them? I mean, I guess since the day I moved in, so a little bit more than a year now. I'm scared for you. I think you, you get out of there. Get out of there. That's my advice. <laughs> That's why I'm pushing the social housing stuff, you know, trying to get, get one of the spots in the, <laughs> yeah. in the new housing. <laughs> Scott, would you like to put on your therapist hat? Well, you know, I, I feel like maybe there's how many bedrooms do you have in your situation right now? Just 10. 10, ten bedrooms. bedrooms. Ten people. Yeah. What, well, what happens wonderful. with the empty bedroom? Um, so we are responsible for finding new tenants. Um, we interview people. So all right. So you're saying there's a room available. All right. Interesting. Laura's well, pointing to herself. I would love to live in that house so that I could pitch it. House therapist. Yeah. You can also be the house therapist. Yeah. That sounds like a wonderful place. I love it. Communal living reminds me of San Francisco where everyone's living together and you make it work. I mean, we had a bunch of people living in a house with only one bathtub um, and it worked, you know, surprisingly. It's like, you know, now I'm out in the suburbs and um you know, it's there's certain conveniences, but it's amazing how you can live communally and get by just by communicating and, you know, just sharing and um, farting. Can I ask a, a question off Reddit? So I've been quietly reading a Reddit on uh, roommate complaints. And here's here's what I'm curious about what Laura has to say about this one. Um, the title she always annoying in sleep time she still speak aloud and talk loudly without headphones dot 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 jesus i don't know why every night she always long phone call dot 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 i try to communicate with her but it just doesn't work dot dot now i just really want let her shut the f up yeah how do you handle yeah. that one in this case, I highly recommend that he actually pretends to be on the other side of whatever phone call she's having. 
hello oh. right so she's like Did i call how her are up? you mm-hmm. and this person's like i'm great because then then you're building community mm-hmm. i like that and then at the end of the conversation you'd be like tricked you i'm actually your roommate on the other side of the wall i'm not your the person you thought you were talking to yep your mom absolutely. or whatever um yeah that sounds like that could only build a relationship well, I, I bill by the minute. So yeah. when you want to end this therapy session, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. That was, that was it. All right. All I'm going to round up 10 minutes uh, just, right. just for funsies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah. Send it in the mail. Um, Kevin, I think we're about done with today's session. Um, well, that session, really, there were two sessions or segments. There was when we asked you questions and there was whatever we just did. Um, so, uh, that brings us to our final question of the interview, which is what is one thing that our listeners can do to help with the green new deal for social housing and, or Sunrise movement DC. Um, yeah, so I guess I could, I could definitely speak to the, the social housing portion. Um, I think the biggest thing is, um, just go out there and, and learn more about the bill and, and start focusing. And I'm happy to forward over some links um, to, to just more information that we have on the bill. Um, there's just, yeah, becoming more aware of it, I think will be important. But I think beyond that, um, there at this point, we're in a bit of a holding pattern, but the, the bill is still being considered in council and there will definitely be future opportunities if people, for example, want to testify um, or, you know, like if people want to get involved with raising awareness themselves, this type of thing, uh, with this, with these types of bills, it's like they, they kind of cycle through council um, and they're not always in like the most hot button moments. And right mm-hmm. now is maybe not quite where it's at. Um, but this year there definitely will be like times where to, to make a concerted push, you know, to get attention. Um, and so for, I testified last year, there was a hearing in November um, and it's open to anyone. Anyone can do it. Um, you don't have to be an expert in anything. You can just talk about your experience. Um, but I think, yeah, like that sort of thing is always helpful. Um, but I, I would just like to, yeah, remind viewers, like, especially here in the DC area, like this, these types of bills, like they may seem local, but they're transformative if they're able to pass. Um, they can change how we, how we live our lives, like, yeah, like certain components of how we live our lives. And I think that even for people who maybe don't think they'll be affected right off the bat or, or maybe don't outwardly struggle with how, like there's, it's, it's addressing a system that mm-hmm. is inherently unfair and it's becoming more unfair. And I think we've all noticed, right? Like with housing prices that, that, that is a huge problem. So, um, yeah, at this point, um, I would just say stay tuned, but this is, yeah, this bill is, is a big deal and it could really help a lot of people. So, the, so the one thing they can do is to stay tuned and to know that the housing deal is a big deal. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. I mean, like it's, I, I guess like, I, like a website they can go to is there like a so, newsletter they can subscribe to yeah so i guess that's what i'm saying like i i can i'm happy to forward over like sunrise has like links to information Great. Uh, i guess i don't have that on hand um uh, but I, i'm happy to provide that uh, that's all right by the time you are listening to this episode listeners you will be able to find those links in the show notes so go to the go to the show notes and go to, click on the link and learn more about the green new deal for social housing and stay tuned because it is really important and uh, uh they're going to need your support so dc.sunrisemovement.org thanks god thank you kevin really appreciate your time man Thank you so yep. much, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you guys for doing this. For sure. For sure. All right. Now's where we sign off. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheerio. That's our show, everybody. Special thanks once again to Kevin Wu in Sunrise Movement DC. Check them out at dc.sunrisemovement.org. Also, special thanks once again to our amazing co-hosts, Scott Benjur and Laura Francisi. Also, a shout-out to Next Chapter Podcasts, as always, for producing this episode. And thanks to all of you, our amazing listeners, for listening. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review The Grasscast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. It's really important for bringing visibility to the show and helping people learn about us and what we do. So, thank you. 
As far as grassroots comedy updates are concerned, we have a few. On June 21st, don't miss our first ever stand-up comedy incubator showcase. That's right, it's the showcase of our very first cohort from our brand new stand-up comedy incubator for women and non-binary folks. It's going to be awesome. Come and check that out. Also, we are still actively recruiting. Not really an update as much of a thing that we are still doing, uh, which we... We're also doing the last episode, and I believe the one before that. We are looking for volunteers, interns, board members, and more people to help our growing 501c3 with all the doors that are opening too rapidly at times for us to keep up. So please email grassrootscomedydc at gmail.com for more information on any of those things. And just check us out at grassrootscomedy.org for updates on those opportunities. Until next time... This has been The Grasscast.